We're not experts, and the opinions expressed are solely our own. We'll do our best to be factual and correct any errors that might occur at a later date. The main point of this show is taking the fork in the road towards comedy whenever possible. There will be many forks in the road. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Drinking and Talking Animals. I'm Bob. I'm Mark. I'm George. And we haven't done this in a while, and I think the best way to start today is to give a little condolence shout-out to one Mr. Paul Rubens, born Paul Rubenfeld, uh, otherwise known as Pee Wee Herman. I love the guy. I had my best probably best ever birthday party at the age of 10 when Pee-wee's Big Adventure came out. Uh-oh. My parents took me and like seven of my closest and moronic 10-year-old boyfriends uh, to you a movie together. Yeah. Wow, you were seven. advanced for your age. Se- it might have been more, but uh-huh. it was probably the most horrible you probably experience lost a few, of lost a few on my the way. parents' life. How bad? Because <laughs> they had to listen to like eight or ten ten-year-olds all jazzed up on Pee-wee's Big Adventure for, <laughs> yeah, exactly, doing Pee-wee impressions. Plus, that was, you know, his run with uh, whatever the show was, the long-running show. Uh, that Pee-wee. was 86 to 90. Yeah. So that was basically like my middle school years, like sixth grade through my sophomore year of Pee-wee's high school. Playhouse? Pee-wee's Playhouse, yes. There we go. Yeah, hey. with Conky and Cherry and Terry and Lord Cowboy Marge. Curtis. And actually, if you don't know no. this also, uh, Pee-wee always, you know, Paul Rubens played the character Pee-wee, but it was developed as a relationship between him and Phil Hartman. And Phil Hartman actually appeared on the original HBO special. He did, uh, he sold out five months in a row at the Roxy Theater with his one-man show, the Pee-wee Herman show. Uh, that thing was actually very popular back then, and I got to mm. see it on HBO because, you know, my, my aunt and uncle had HBO. It was awesome. He was way dirtier back then. It was very adult content, so he actually tamed it down for the children's show. But I, prob- I would have liked that better. <clears throat> I only yeah. know him for it. was I was a little older than you, and it was a little cheesy for me. Right. Yeah, and, you know, he had his little problems and got busted in the theater and all that, but... Whatever. That he can was happen in, to anybody. Yeah. Child pornography, but, you know, not I mean, big deal, no, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> I don't remember anything about child pornography no, I don't either. Yeah. other than yeah. uh, he had a huge collection and he was busted for it. Really? Yeah. Huh. Now, this seems like a Snopes event because I just saw this come up on Snopes. So is this true or What's not Snopes? true? Snopes. Snopes's. Snopes's? What's that? It's Snopes, S N O P E S dot com. It's where you look to see if some BS that's going around is truth or mm. urban legend. I read it on the New York Post. Gotcha. Well, that don't mean nothing. Arbitrarily decided by opinion the majority of time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Pee Wee always creeped me out. I had, I'm, I'm uh, way younger than you, and like. Right. Like way younger. And. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Way. He, he always way. scared me. Yeah. Like, I always. You I were, don't know. It was you were pee wee pee wee material back then. I probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Early nineties. Uh, <laughs> 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 
Uh, <laughs> all right. Anyway, you know. I, I really liked Paul Rubens in the movie Blow. You guys ever seen that movie? Yes. He's great in that. What about yeah. Mystery Men? Mystery Men. Yeah, oh, the spleen. The, the spleen. That's one of my favorite <laughs> scenes of all time. That movie kind of is a turd. Yeah, because uh, Janine Garofalo sucks, oh, and yeah. uh, even William H Macy. I mean, you know, so much better in Shameless. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that should have been better, but he got a horrible name. He was the frickin' shoveler. Yeah. I mean, it, that movie's just dumb anyway. I know. Ben Stiller's even stupid in that movie, but I digress. Anyway, uh, find us at Drinking and Talking Animals on Instagram and Facebook and dandtanimals at gmail.com or on that X thing, <laughs> whatever the hell that yeah, is. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm right. still debating. For all the hangers on of Whether old we're, Twitter, we're new Twitter. I don't know what we call it. or not. It is what it is. But. We don't get the um, as much feedback as we used to on X. True. It's actually, since it's gone to X. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. What are we drinking today? That's an important part of this show. Whoa. You'll get nothing and like it. Yes. IPA. Nice. From Georgetown Brewing. With an ABB of Bob's almost favorite number, <laughs> 6.9%. Um... The hops are Citra, Strata, and Idaho 7. The malts are two-roll pale, Pilsner, and the yeast is a yeast. English ale. Yeah, English ale. English ale. It's a very delicious beer. Yeah. I I just had a golfing buddy say, hey, if you haven't had the, uh, you'll get nothing and like it, you should get some because it's a great beer for the bag. And... It's kind of ro- reminiscent of Bodie. A little bit. Yeah, a little it, bit. It kind of strikes a, its own. Like a Bodie light. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's definitely citrusy. Yeah. It's, it's what they do best, I think. So. And what are we snacking on? Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah, the one the one We're hitter quitter. Chuckies, <laughs> Chibs Fuego, Hot Ch- hot chili pepper and lime. Jibs. <laughs> Not jibs. Jibs. With a Z. Jibs. Oh. Fuego. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're hot. I think the acid is burning my tongue. I'm serious. <laughs> acid like, rain, man. One of these chips is enough to hold you over for I think at least three to five minutes at a time. Like, I don't know how you could just one after another just production eat these things. Uh, you have to have a big club soda to it's, buffer that. They're assertive. They're like yeah. the Sour Patch Kid of chips. <laughs> they're, um, they've got a little, they got a little spice at the back. There is a spice, but, um, I mean, George is totally right. That, uh, very that strong, citric acid. That's yeah. a citric acid right. cayenne, cayenne blend. We can. Yeah, it just, it just kicks you right in the mouth. And red stuff. Blah! Right. It's actually kind of hard to speak after you eat one. <laughs> or before. Yeah, maybe that I should just keep my mouth full of these all show. Was that uh, numbing? Right. Num, num, num. Mind if I numb it first? <laughs> That's, <laughs> we're not going to tell that joke, are we? No, we're not going to tell that joke. <laughs> it tells itself. Right. Uh, I'm, feel, I'm feeling a commercial. I am time. too. <laughs> oh, God. Please. Hey everyone, I'm Cold Boulder. And I'm Scully Vega. And we'd like to invite you to listen to Fun to Learn. Fun to Learn is a podcast made by and for dropouts who like to learn while they rot their brains. Each episode consists of a few different games, discussions, and informative segments that focus on what makes education entertaining. 
So, listen to Fun to Learn. Where, where sometimes, sometimes we, we learn, but we, we always have fun. fun. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I was going off you. <laughs> and we're back. Woo-hoo! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> that was an awesome commercial. One of the best ones ever. <laughs> <laughs> Even Pee-wee liked it. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Hey, what are we talking about? Now we're going to talk about hydrothermal vent animals. Oh, I thought you were just going to talk about George's hydrothermal vent. Yes, that was a joke that he couldn't stop on the text. Yes. Uh, I have a hydrothermal vent. <laughs> there may be bugs around it. <laughs> I almost... Yeah, there's, yeah probably. there's not a lot of creatures that can survive in that environment. So, you know, we actually are going to talk about some interesting stuff today yeah, for exactly that reason. Yes. Yeah. This is honestly one of the most inhospitable places on the planet. We're talking like where uh, basically superheated, is it lava and or just fluid? Water, water getting into the zone where the magma is and becoming superheated. There you go. And in some instances, there's also methane present. Magma. Well, all, all <laughs> sorts of gases compressed. Yeah. yeah. Compressed beyond bubbles. Right. I got it. Yeah, and they form chimneys because there's, you know, superheated metals. There's metals, all kinds. Yeah. There's cobalt. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. lithium. Right. There's right. all kinds of crap that's, Pre- you know, bubbling pres- up through this stuff. Precipitates into a uh, kind of a metal stone mist that builds up the chimneys mm-hmm. pretty quickly, actually. And right. there's been some documented ones where um, within a matter of months, it builds two or three feet. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, and they they move because we talked about that a little bit. That you know, uh, yes. there, there's some dead structure to them, like almost like a, an old forest, if you will, of you know abandoned kind of like a, chimney. Kind of like a sore on the earth, uh, <laughs> right? It's just a, just the scar that's left over. <laughs> right, man, I had a good uh, lung oyster there. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? That was incredible. How'd it taste? <laughs> right, horrible. Uh, who wants to kick her off? I don't know. Bueller? I'll, anybody? I'll, Bueller. I'll do it. Well, right. I, I mean, we could talk more about the events themselves. Yeah. That. We, we can do that as well. Because it's a very interesting environment that anything could live near one or around one is kind of an incredible feat unto itself. Right. That, And, and just the, the fact that they, they weren't actually documented until 1977. Damn. Kind yeah. of... Um, it describes exactly how difficult it is to find them. I mean, even today, um, they don't really know how many there are. Right. They, they can take a stab at estimate and make a computer model and try to figure it out. But I just read an article today that they think there's uh, there's more by a factor of eight than they thought there was. So, right. in other words, they have no fucking idea <laughs> how <laughs> right. many there are. Well, just I like the seamounts. They thought there was 10,000 seamounts, and it turns out it's somewhere between 500,000 and 2 million. Right. Wow, that's a big swing. And, you know, it's such a yeah. trip, too, that you're also finding these things in one of the most unhospitable places on the planet as well, which is Antarctica. There's a ton of hydrothermal vents off the coast of Antarctica. Uh, and that's I just know that because one of my animals is from there. And also the Indian Ocean is the right. other place. In any of the any of the margins of the the tectonic plates yeah. there's potential yeah, for that's them. where the seeps are 
And I actually, I, I even connected that to a, a different story about lower temp vents that exist yeah. that, that are in rock more than like cooled rock. Yeah, they're, it, they're cold seeps. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And huge populations of clams that, that grow around those. And they have no idea what that biomass is because it's virtually everywhere that magma has flown to the surface. So right. All of the all of the gaps between all of the tectonic plates, you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of square miles, and all and extremely deep. Yeah. 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 Or, mostly we're talking. Yeah, it's a mile and a half plus. Is right. Yeah. Been pretty common. Two thousand meters plus is the most common uh, depth that I found, but I know they go deeper. And, and I'm not exactly. So you're talking. Sure. These are these things are emanating from the ocean That's floor. That's basically the so. the, ba- the bathypelagic. I'm not exactly sure what the depth is that keeps the gases liquefied, but I know it's below 500 feet. 500 feet is kind of a, a pressure place where gas keeps to itself, uh, hmm. you know, as far as becoming bubbles. Um, bubbles. Tiny bubbles. <laughs> like Michael Jackson's In, chimpanzee. Um, <laughs> the, the other, just the undersea volcanoes... You know, it's all connected. It's all the same mm-hmm. cracks in the in the plates. The just a year ago, the there was a big volcanic explosion, a massive one, that Hunga Tonga volcano. Hunga Tonga, the largest documented explosion in times where we could measure. Wow, bigger than any any thermonuclear explosion, like, like Krakatoa. No, way 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 bigger than way that. bigger than yeah that. yeah. Well, I'm, I actually, I'll take that back. I think I for know. a long time, but Krakatoa was the loudest sound that was, I think it was recorded. This, but This went, the, these shockwaves went around the world, and we would have heard it here if we'd known what it was. It would have been just a thumping, mm. and that shockwave did go around the world. People heard it clearly in Anchorage, and this is from Tonga, um, Damn. middle of the South Pacific, basically. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> it was a huge explosion. Put so much water vapor into the air that it changed the the amount of water vapor in the stratosphere by thirteen percent. Wow, and, and, that's incredible. And that's projected to increase um, warming by up to two degrees for five to ten years. Just that amount of vapor. Wow. So it, it's it's going to have a that's significant, good news. <laughs> but but it will dissipate. That right. that will fall out, and it is falling out. As we speak, that number is getting lower, but still, it, the amount of water that went into the air is, is measured in trillions of gallons. Right. I mean, just That's like a huge. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you can't like even imagine 30, that. 36 miles high of water vapor. Damn. And almost That's no ash, so no, almost no aerosol. <clears throat> anyway. That's no ass. Anyway, I, I was just trying to get across the point of how much volcanic activity is actually happening, and, and we don't know very much about it. Oh, yeah. Right. Again, it's... Yeah, I think, you know, setting that base for today's show is super important anyway, that, you know, just... I, I think people that people aren't aware of these things, then that we're actually actively exploring them as commonly as we are, even though it's ridiculously expensive to go out and, you know, find these things, go down, look at them, collect samples. And uh, I think, it's I think, an expensive endeavor. I think proof of that is that they name all of them. 
Right. <laughs> which, yeah, which some of them. Uh, if it was that well studied, they would have a number and a location, and that's it. Right. And yeah. some of them, some of them were more commonly referred to by their coordinates, you know, uh, longitude, latitude. But uh, they do give them once these the miners get a hold of it. Once right. The miners they'll get all have. It, they'll have a yeah. number. It'll be a. It'll be a claim. Yeah. yeah. It'll be the Ocean Platte. Seventy-two, <laughs> right, right. Uh, give us an animal that lives around these suckers, Mark. How about a pink vent fish? <laughs> oh yeah, like is that the color they are? Yes, I've got is. a pink vent. <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew it. <laughs> hey, so, somebody had to say it. <laughs> um, the t- species name is uh, Thermarchus. Cerebus. Sir, Sir Marcus? Sir Marcus Cerebus. Thermargus, which basically uh, the root is uh, Greek therm for hot, and Cerebus is the three-headed dog that guards the gates of hell. Nice. Cerberus. So, uh, there are uh, rayfin fish in the family uh, Zorcididae, and they live approximately 3,300 feet down to 13,000 feet in what's also known as the Midnight Zone. Nice. See, Max has a picture of one. Do, yeah. we, know, do we know the size? Because these um, things are always, like, I think they get them, like, right in front of the camera lens. Like, that's the case with one of the crabs I have today is... It was impossible to find, like, how big they are. I actually had to use the yeah, tip of my pen. No sense of perspective <laughs> in it. Right. These guys are not one of the larger ones in the family. Mm. They're, I want to say, about five to six inches long. That's, I kind of, I brushed over. I think that's. That's decently large. That's that's average. No. Yeah. 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 In America. Ah. Yeah. It must be a male. We're only here. <laughs> um, and they're distantly related to burbots. Burbot. It's got the tail. Um, so uh, they feed mainly on crabs, amphipods, um, certain types of snails, and their main diet is a limpet. A limpet. Yes, and what they do is they pull those limpets off, and how do you get a limpet off? <laughs> With your mouth, <laughs> a butter knife. <laughs> anyway, they pull the larger limpets off, and what that does is it allows uh, these guys are living in and around the giant. Wish um, I was a limpet. Tube <laughs> worms. Uh, which get up to about five feet long, and um, those um, they tend to be covered in limpets. But what happens is, by the um, the fish pulling the limpets off and eating them, it allows the tube worm larvae to have open space to attach ah. to continue to grow in a colony. <laughs> Symbiotic. Yeah. Smart. And know nothing about the breeding because they really don't know. Yeah. And they really... Well, they can't stay down there long enough to watch it happen. Yeah, and they're not real sure. They think the males are slightly smaller than the females, but, um, again, they haven't pulled up enough specimens. Right. And it's relatively newly discovered. Um, I'm going to say 1976, 77, somewhere in there. Hmm. So, I mean, it's not 
Uh, and again, so about that's the, time, the same time well, that we discovered yeah, the vents. Yeah, seventy-seven was the first vent discovered by yeah. a by a ROV. I believe they they called it Alvin. 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 Yeah. Alvin Simon Theodore. <laughs> Where <are> the chipmunks? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Moving on. And that's what I have for my fid fitty. You have chipmunks in your head. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can go on with a couple others or somebody else can I've, hop in here. I got a sweet one for you. All right. It's called the Hoff Crab. Oh, man, I got that one, too. You did? <laughs> yeah, that's Bastard. sweet. All right, we can double up on it. Then. Yeah, um, he liked it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they're a species of deep-sea squat lobster in the order Decapoda, which squat literally lobster. means yeah, 10-footed. Yeah, squat lobster. It's easy to go B-52s immediately. Yeah, Squat lobster. <laughs> I just think of butter. <laughs> like butter. Uh, the family is Kiwaidae, named after Kiwa. Kiwaidae? Yeah, Kiwaidae. It's Kiwa. <laughs> Kiwaidae. That's hard to say yeah. in that format. Uh, but they're the she's the goddess of shellfish in Polynesian culture. Yes, yeah, she is. And there's actually a whole... There's like five different kiwa. They call all these yeah, uh, hairy a, crabs, hairy, hairy vent crabs or <laughs> kiwa. Uh, we'll, we'll find out, though. Uh, five described species that live in cold seeps or hydrothermal vents. So yeah. this is actually really interesting. Two of them live near cold seeps. Yeah. The other three live near hydrothermal vents. Uh, so they go both ways. They like it hot and cold. <laughs> it, it looks like a giant tick. Yeah. And there are a couple more that are known but have yet to be described. Yeah. So they're, they're still being researched as we speak, and we're finding more hairy crabs okay. uh, near these vents. And as I recall, they were first discovered in 2005. It was, it's, yeah. it's very new, yes. Yeah, it's fairly new. Also, uh, they're sometimes called the Yeti crab. Yeah, Yeti crabs. Yeti crab. Uh, Yeti again. And due to the hairy and bristly appearance, members of this family are also referred to as Yeti lobsters and Yeti crabs. Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. Uh, the genus is easy because we already know what Kiwa means, and the genus is Kiwa. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, the species is Kiwa tyleri, and I have no idea what tyleri means. Uh, but they became known as the Hoff crab due to a dense covering of setae on the ventral surface of their bodies, reminiscent of the hairy chest of David Hasselhoff. Yeah, that's how they became the Hoff crab. And there's yeah. also they are hairy. There's as also Kiwa hirsuta, hirsuta, which is basically a hairy goddess. Nice hairy goddess. How, how big are they? About. Uh, I had it, and this is where I had to use the only picture I could find that even helped with this, is they had a one-centimeter representative line, and it just happened to be about the same size as the tip of my pen, like the nib of my pen. So uh, I got it to be about seven wide and approximately ten if they've got their claws all the way extended out. So about ten by seven centimeters. Not huge. No, they're not big. Uh and I don't think they always have their arms, like, sticking out straight, you know, like they're Superman flying through Metropolis. But It could be. Uh, so in American, about four or five inches? Uh, somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, not, they're not real not big. Not giant. Uh, they were given the nickname by a, a team of U.K. deep-sea scientists aboard the RRS James Cook in 2010. 
Uh, so maybe that's when they were discovered. The Hoff crab, specifically. Well, yeah. There's they're, more they're, Yeti crabs, because yeah. there you go. Max has a I different think, one there. Yeah, that, Most that's Yeti crabs. Suda. That's her suit. Yeah, they have. And that was the The hairs exist on the arms nine, and yeah. the legs. This crab is more unique because the hairs seem to exist, you know, just on the, the yeah. lower surface, the ventral side. But they do go all the way up the underside of the claws yeah. as well. So it's the chest, the claws. But the hairs, yeah. we'll find out, are important. Sete. Sete. Yeah, Sete. Uh, this expedition was exploring the hydrothermal vents on the East Scotia Ridge near Antarctica. And it was the second of three expeditions to the Southern Ocean by the UK-led research consortium known as CHESO, the Chemosynthetic Ecosystems of the Southern Ocean. That's the official name of their little consortium. Well, uh, and, and that process is what this is all built around. These animals wouldn't exist without... Right. Like chemosynthetic processes? The, all of these animals. Right. Uh, and they're unique in the Kiwa genus because of that chest hair that most other members have on their claws. We yep. already said that. Yeah. Uh, the hairs of the hoff crab are also shorter than the hairs that occur on the claws of other species. Uh, what all of the hairs have in common is they seem to attract or perhaps even grow a filamentous bacteria. And the hypothesis is that these sulfur oxidizing bacteria can fix carbon from the water by oxidizing sulfides in the hydrothermal fluid and becomes a major source of nutrition for the crabs. So, well, And I read that they actually... Um They actually, well, yeah, there's two types of bacteria that grow on them. There's also a um, um, epibiotic bacteria that grows on them, mm -hmm. at least on the uh, Herceruta. And they think that that's what they're mainly feeding on because they have specially designed. Um, right, their teeth have comb like you know, structures. Comb like right. structures, and that are designed that they see on animals that feed on filtering. See, Mom, and George I, and I had an interesting conversation about this as well because his point was. Why the F do they have claws if they just eat this stupid little bacteria off the hairs on their bodies? Just for why do they need the claws? Just for just defense? to look cool? Just to goose that fish, <laughs> right, Exactly. Like, hey, <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> well, and, and, uh, they also think that they may scavenge a little bit, too. Uh, yeah, and, and, that's, and that's and that's where I but, think that's a yeah. great hypothesis yeah. because we don't know. We don't I know. Mean, um, right. Yeah, they also don't have um, they're, they, they think they're well blind probably uh, because I mean, their eyes are very reduced and have no two thousand meters and they have no pigment it's in the eyes red. so not usually forever generous. black yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the only light that would be there would be from um right little lava um, glow no from bio <laughs> bioluminescence yeah yeah that would make sense uh, these guys were found living adjacent to and on the sides of the chimneys in close proximity to the fluids flowing from the vents in excess of 350 degrees Celsius, which is 662 degrees Fahrenheit. It's also important to realize that at 2,000 meters deep, they're encountering some of the coldest possible ocean temps at around zero degrees Celsius. Yeah. Uh, the sweet spot for these crabs is believed to be between four and just over 30 degrees Celsius, and during that expedition, they were found crammed into every available space of this small area at a density in excess of 600 crabs per square meter or about 56 crabs per square foot. 
That's so a lot of cr- well, again, also but they have how a, small they are. They're small, and yeah. they they're only inhabiting like a very specific temperature zone yeah. that they find they're along little, these yeah. vents. They're so, little microhabitats, right? It is a microhabitat, correct? That that um, that condensing a population that's something in all of these animals that we're talking about. Like if they exist there, they're existing there in the biggest way possible in the smallest area, like a flashlight shining down in the dark and they're all growing in that flashlight. Right. Yeah, spot. Because that's and if you the, go outside yeah. of it, you're going to die. And if you go too close to the middle, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> yeah. It's definitely like, it's the Goldilocks zone for sure of where and, these animals if, can exist. And if that vent plugs up, um, they're all dead. Right. The, the, the whole oh, thing yeah. goes poof. Yeah. Like, popped up. You're you're dead like right all, now. Like all of them. Right. Which is exactly. they also on a lot of these animals they think they are um um oh damn it. I'm losing the term. Lucky. The <laughs> they're, they spawn but it's, it flows. Um oh, I just Right. The open all, spawning? All, right. Open spawn yeah. And because that way the larva once the larvae hatch out they float around until they get to that little micro mm. and and drop. Right. Right. It's weird that they can exist in that form, in that larval form, away from that source because they're able to drift to another vent and that suits and colonize. Purposes. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I think that's weird that yeah. that sudden death for the adult, but yet the larva can... I mean, it's it's lucky, I guess, because you know you're able to actually move around, and and the only way you can move around is your larval I, form. I wonder if well, and that's how they can populate new vents as right. they develop. Well, as, as that warm water's going up, I read that it it very quickly cools, um, and then all of the gases that are in it disperse at different altitudes, basically, mm-hmm. as it huh. goes up. So right. that energy is given off little by little. So that warmth kind of goes up in a a diluted smokestack and maybe they're just drawn up in that cloud of warmer water until right. until they get someplace mm-hmm. until they get to another cloud right and <clears throat> I, I mean that whole process is weird yeah I, I don't think we know a whole lot about it at this point either no you know other yeah. than uh i believe that they also found that there was a couple different color differences and you know based on location uh between these like or maybe i'm thinking of my next one it might be the snail the snail, I think it is a snail. Yeah, the snail, there was like a couple yeah. that were black, uh, depending on the vent, and one that was white. But they, you know, I think they've done DNA, and they're the same thing. So, you know. Uh, I'm just going to leave that on. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, that, and uh, like all of the, all of the, <laughs> like if all the shrimp that are there or all the tube worms, they, they are all like virtually identical from a DNA perspective. Right. I mean, there, there's just no variability there. There can't be really. Right. Yeah, and it's also believed that uh, small limpets can be found living on their carapace, and they can be found in close proximity to sea anemones, gastropods, a species of stalked barnacle, yep. and a species of uh, pycnogynid, a sea spider. Mm-hmm. Pycnogynid. That's a fun one to say. It is. <laughs> and a predatory seven-armed starfish. So... Seven arms, steadily. And I think there are each quite one a few bears a katana that live on the periphery, like that, uh, uh, the Dumbo, the moose octopus, the Dumbo octopus. Mm-hmm. The moose I think octopus. that lives on the edges of this flashlight zone, where it, it's preying on bits and pieces of those animals that that get outside of that. 
Right. But it, I don't think it wants to go very close to the the vents, the themselves. sun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't want to touch the yeah, sun. Yeah, we talked about that on our last episode, or a while back on animal scat. Animal scat. Yeah. We talked about the moose octopus, which moose, live on moussaka. Moussaka, that live on uh, different uh, seeps, um, mm-hmm. both cold and warm. Oh yeah, the octopus's garden, the yeah. egg, the mm-hmm. eggs. Yeah. Right? That's right. I remember now. Yeah. Uh, this beer is really helping kick yeah, things is. back. <laughs> what do you got? What do you got next, George? You got something too? Well, along the lines of the, the poop in the vent. Um, Ooh, the poop in the vent. The, I I was looking at, the, giant white clam, and it is pretty big. It, uh, I've like seen I've foot, seen a few. Ah, like a, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a foot long. <laughs> Well, they aren't quite that big, but yeah. <laughs> big as a shoe. <laughs> Aye. Uh, that's one hell of a hatchet. <laughs> Calyptogena magnifica. Yeah, that is magnificent. That yeah. means big-ass clam. Yeah, yeah. magnifica. Um, it has no guts. What? Wow. So it don't poop. We shouldn't. I shouldn't even be talking about it right no, now. No, what the uh, hell? No guts, yeah. no poop? No, it when it when it feeds off the bacteria... It just puts that in energy, huh? and and I think the only thing it's outputting is spawn. Wow! So it only has to produce more. Yeah, more clam. So and basically, it has an extremely efficient digestive system because there it utilizes everything it eats, and there is no waste. Hundred percent. Apparently, yeah. It's just like running like a nuclear power plant. I yeah, guess that's a pretty. <laughs> that's an. Pretty incredible system for an a- any animal to have, really. Does it fart? Um, no, but it bleeds. <laughs> it actually has blood. Uh, when you open it up, it's... If it bleeds, we can kill it. It's got red blood. <laughs> um, the, it's deceptive how big they are in that, but they, they literally are um, 10 to 14 inches long. Wow. Are they edible? Yeah, see, there's a photo in a guy's hand or a girl's hand. What's that? A wee uh, man. Hard, hard to tell. <laughs> it's a wee man. That's Max's hand. Yeah. It's a wee man's it's hand. It's a wee hand. It makes everything <laughs> look bigger. <laughs> like, that's a Barbie doll's hand the, for The shell scale. looks a little <laughs> like a gooey duck, but it's not nearly as well endowed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, those gooey ducks, they're squirters. <laughs> can't that's even see sure. his little neck. <laughs> Uh, are they edible? Has anyone? I wondered too. Yeah, but I'm I'm kind of getting the feeling that all of these animals are I mean, not a, ten I, to fourteen. I mean, I bet they have an absolute crapload of sulfur in them. Right. At I think some that's, point, I think that's similar because I kind of saw those questions asked bit by bit around the internet, and nobody really came out with an answer. But like, I, well, I, I would I would need it. I got to imagine somebody cooked one though. Right. I mean, and you got to think about how much how expensive it is to harvest them that far down. Well, well, right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like, totally yeah. true. I mean, most clams and, yeah. and shellfish... If I was doing that research, though, I'd have a cube of butter in the fridge just, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> oh, it died? <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. I'll take care yeah. of it. <laughs> exactly. Like, George, you can't light the sterno in the ROV. <laughs> like, like, let's wait till we get back on the surface. Just break it open and slurp it down. Don't even know if you think about it. Exactly. It's like, well, it's a good thing I brought this 
cocktail sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Plan B, as I like yeah. to call it. Right. <laughs> Whenever I see one of those, it's the first thing I think. Of, wow, I wonder what that tastes like. <laughs> I mean, it. I, why would you not wonder what a ten to fourteen inch clam would taste like? It's probably no. the, if it tasted like regular clams. I mean, except a whole lot more of it. That'd be pretty ideal. What yeah, if no guts? What if it's delicious? Right. I know. No guts? Exactly. Yeah. That's got to have some. I don't no. know. No, it has no gut. It has innards. It has innards, yeah. no good. And they, that's basically how they described it. That, Does like, it even have a butthole? No. No. It doesn't need a butthole. <laughs> no cornhole for you. It's magical. <laughs> this is a magical clam. I can tell you guys that right now. <laughs> uh, what else you got there? Is it magically <laughs> delicious? <laughs> you would hope so. That's, yeah. That's been the whole course of conversation here for a moment. How about Welcome back. <laughs> how about the Pompeii? Yeah. How about the Pompeii worm? Pompeii worm, yes. Pompeii worm. Yes. Alvanella? Uh how come it's all Alvin with you today? Pompeiana. <laughs> well, Al and it's actually named after the uh, RV. The the um uh, Alvanella was the, um, um, what you call it, the submersible. Oh, it's named after the submersible. That, that wow. was the one that made the, the first. The one that found it. Yeah, huh. the, the first vent discoveries. Yes, that nice. was named after that. That's what Alvanella is, and of course, uh, Pompeiana is after the Pompeii. Huh. Pompeii volcano Island. because you know it's kind of hot down there. Yeah, you would think. Now these are a type of bristle worm. And they live near, uh, in tubes near the vents. Um, they're about 5.1 inches that is long. That's an ugly ass worm. Yeah, they're not super huge. It's scary looking. Yeah. They're uh, pale gray with red tentacles on the gills ear on the head. Like, not really. It's like a ripped off squirrel tail. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a hairy back. Yeah, they that do. Are Actually, colonies of bacteria, which are thought to, to act as insulation. Huh. More now, they also have a symbiotic relationship in that the worms secrete a mucus from glands on the back that feeds the bacteria, and then they feed on the chemosynthetic bacteria. Huh. So Smart. it's kind of, yeah, they create their own some of their own food. That seems to be really yeah. common with these vent animals because we're going to find out like that same thing with uh, my next one as well. Kind of like growing so. mushrooms on your own poop though, isn't it? Sort of. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, it's like hey. it's self-stabilizing, you know? Yeah. yeah as you eat, why not get high on your own poop? Yeah, that'd be cool. People get high on... Well, there is a thing called reindeer jankum. pee. God, is that its face or its ass? That's its face. Ugh. No. God, that is scary as hell. There is a sexual. I'm gonna have a nightmare. <laughs> there is a sexual dimorphism, in that the males have a pair of tentacles near the mouth. That has got to be the scariest picture of I think just about anything we've ever talked about. Now both have genital pores at the base of the gills. Well, why wouldn't As they? As you do. <laughs> <laughs> and the exact method of reproduction is. Unknown, but it is believed to be a complex, multi-step process. Males have been observed jumping into the female's tubes. Into what? Into her tubes? Well, yeah, they live in the actual tube. Right. Oh. 
And so the the males have been observed jumping into the tubes. Like, and they think that maybe that is hey, where lady. That is. they go face where first. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but again, do. that's where the that's where the stuff is. Yeah, when you got a face that only a mother could love, why not? That's where all the so sexual organs are. They're gonna are. rub that together. Up yeah. In the face, yeah. <laughs> they're gonna smash. <laughs> Rubbing uglies. <laughs> Now, one of the unique things about these guys is they are the most heat-tolerant, complex animal species. Mm. Uh, They thrive in water temperatures between 113 to 140 degrees and can live for short periods of time at 221 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. The only animal that is more heat-tolerant are tardigrades, and they can tolerate up at... um, 302 degrees. Dang. But those are very simplistic. They cook mm-hmm. them a long time. Yeah. Yeah. They're a pre-cooked. And that's <laughs> my... I love it. That, yeah. That was, it that, just, I was actually... Wow. Something about breathing. That one. Because everything is just unknown. Unknown. That unknown. 100% is probably the ugliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, yes. That looks Ugh. like it's... That looks like it's waiting for a... Yeah, uh, it's got like uh, these devil horns and weird red glowing, what I'd think of as eyes. That and looks that like an mouth alien. Nasty. And then the gills look like it's little just hands. It's nasty. <laughs> they look like little hands. It does. It, it kind of looks it's like, like, like a... <laughs> feed me, Seymour. It, right. looks like, uh, it looks like AI art. The uh, new Twilight Zone movie with Dan Aykroyd in the ambulance when he's like, you want to see something really scary? Uh, That's <laughs> almost it. Like, bah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I got the sea pangolin. Sea pangolin. Yeah, the sea pangolin. What? Uh, it's one of the common names of the scaly foot gastropod. Oh yeah. They're also called scaly foot snails and even cooler volcano snail. I'm gonna skip all the way to species for this animal because the order and family is hard to say. And the species name is no treat either. <laughs> they are the Chrysomalan squamariform, squam, squamiferum. That's BS. Like, and the other stuff, order and family, just as difficult. So I was like, nope. And I was having oh, a problem on, with Bob. the etymology. Yeah, I was like, I'm done. Chrysomalan squamiferum. Uh, Chrysomalan is ancient Greek for golden-haired, referring to the color of iron pyrite in its shell. And what's the common name of iron pyrite, Mark? Fool's gold. Correct. Fool's gold. Uh, (coughs) Squamiferum is Latin, meaning scale-bearing. So they are golden scale-bearing golden-haired, basically. And they're not really golden-haired, though. You'll see that. There's a little bit of maybe a, a tinkle of gold in them. But tinkle? Yeah, tinkles. Tinkle about tinkle. Right, a little tinkle of gold. <laughs> uh, and at this point, you can probably guess what makes this the most unique snail in the world. It's shell. The outer layer consists of iron sulfides. The middle layer is made of periostracum, which is the usual outermost layer of many shelled animals. And finally, the innermost layer is made of aragonite. What is aragonite, Mark? Sounds like a spice. Yeah. Aragonite is one of the three most commonly occurring crystalline forms of calcium carbonate. Do you use aragonite? Yeah, exactly. Aragonite. Do you know the other two, Mark? Just for giggles. One of them's super common. Calcium. Calcite. Calcite. I'll give you that one. Yeah. The other one was hard. I would have never known this. I didn't um, know any of these. Probably silica. It was vaterite. 
Vaterite? Yeah. Oh, wait. Vaterite. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. And aragonite, calcite, and vaterite are the three most commonly uh, occurring crystalline forms of calcium carbonate. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I forgot the, you said calcium carbonate. Right. The foot of the snail is also unusual that it has an armor like it has armor like sides with iron mineralized sclerites. A sclerite is simply a hardened body part. Uh, I got a hardened body part. <laughs> exactly. I knew it. Uh, it comes from the Greek word skleros, which means hard. <laughs> it's literally hard. Skleros. I'm getting skleros right now, yeah, Max. You are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're the only known extant animal that incorporates iron sulfide into its skeleton, or more appropriately, exoskeleton. But don't forget about those sclerites, too. Their hearts are unusually large for any animal, proportionately comprising 4% of the volume of its body. Damn. That is that a, is, that that's is, a huge yeah, no, heart. That's huge. Uh, and they're also very kind. <laughs> Oh, God. As you would be, right? They like the Grinch when it grew three times that day. Are they tasty? <laughs> uh, I bet they're not. Uh, and plus, you'd have to crunch through all that iron on their, their sides there. It'd be kind of gross. Uh, their esophageal gland houses symbiotic gamma proteobacteria, and this appears to provide all the nutri- nourishment that these snails need. So they have a weird bacteria that synthesizes uh, everything they need, and they don't I'm, believe that they eat. So I'm again, a big pattern it, here, right? Is it is it like one sided, like a lot of snails, or is it more like a nautilus? Uh, I think it does have a pretty good spiral to it. It's hard to find uh, and Did, see. There's that, the, that looks like a nautilus, right? Well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And, that to me too, chambered as and opposed that's to. the same species. So. Yeah. You've got the ones that are, they're white for some reason at a, a certain vent in the, I think these guys are in the Indian Ocean, right? Yes. Uh, I don't know if I got there yet. Yes. Uh, and anyway, some of them are that black and red, and some are like white. And they don't really know why, but they've done DNA, and they're basically the same. They just don't know why they, they come in different colors. Hey-oh. Well, it, it, it could have something to do with the, the mineral. What part of the vent they live in, probably. Yeah. Exactly. It also could have something to do with the minerals um, yeah. that are they're pulling. Right. And that's very true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. But, yeah, depending on the vent, you would get a different mixture yeah. of uh, so, stuff coming out of it. It may right? not be as heavy in iron. Yeah. Uh, here's where things go bad for the snail. Oh, no. Uh, they only live near hydrothermal vents in the Indian Ocean at average depths around a mile and a half deep and temperatures up to 750 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, due to these very specific conditions they rely on, it's estimated that their total habitat, including potentially undiscovered colonies, maxes out at less than 0.1 square miles total population. I- I think they're making all that up. That has have, to be you true. To know, you have to know how many vents there are, though. That this is yeah, but this is even guessing area. that even if we haven't found a thousand more, that this narrow swath of where the life is possible for these snails is so small that I I, I agree. The band of existence is small, right, but exactly how many bands there are, we don't know. That is true. Uh, but, you know, that's what I found interesting about this is they actually did throw that out there, that they think that all they've found so far 
plus potentially undiscovered ones the even with you know if you uh, extrapolate a thousand more uh, vents that it's still going to be less than 0.1 square miles because it's just such a narrow well, place. Yeah, and again, you what, realize, but what if it's 100,000 more events? It's true. I mean, you know, it, and it is them kind of pulling something out of the sky that they probably don't know. I'll, I'll totally acquiesce to that, that, you know, it's, it's 100% possible that we might go up to 0.2 square miles, George. I don't disagree that it's a, a narrow band, right, but it, I, just, I just disagree yeah. about the... The picking yeah, like no, picking right, like how they figured this out because I think they only know about like it's either four or six vents in the Indian Ocean right now. There could potentially be hundreds more. So you're totally right. You well, know, like, like like Wikipedia, it has that it has. There's uh, been 119 undersea volcanic explosions in the last. 11,626 years. Like, <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> that sounds accurate. How did I can't we, believe how you did don't we, believe it. How did it's we so get, specific. How did we get to, like, five <laughs> right. since the 1900s? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but here's where it goes. So you would think that it would be super easy to protect such a small area of the ocean floor. Absolutely not, because two of the vents have active mining exploration licenses that allows for exploratory drilling. Even one session of drilling could potentially impact not only the population of this snail, but other very sensitive creatures living near these vents as well. And I think me and George talked about this off. There's an easy solution. Right. You what you do is you drill and test old dead you right. know, chimneys. Follow the slug trail. Right. Don't F with the active ones exactly. where the yeah, animals exactly. are at. Yeah. Right. They're going to go extinct on their own. We don't have to help them. <laughs> right. They, they are. They're going to go poof. Right. I mean, in that, I mean, in that area, that local, it'll be a local extinction, but. Right. Yeah. And again, because of how we think they possibly spawn. Right. They're, so every time a new one forms, they're going to, there's going to be some larvae attaching and. Right. Interestingly, though, in 2019, the scaly foot snail was listed as endangered on the IUCN red list and became the first animal to be classified as endangered based solely on the threat of mining. (laughs) So all these scientists that found these things, they lobbied and lobbied and basically got their wish to protect this animal and its threat of extinction due to mining. And it was weird because this article is 2019 and they were speculating that uh, they were already going to start, you know, uh, testing some autonomous vehicles that can collect those metallic nodules from the ocean floor. They can suck Uh, and blow. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Crush, suck and blow. (laughs) Right. That's what they call them. Uh, uh, But anyway, mining the seafloor at those depths isn't technically or economically viable as of yet no. but again this was 2019 so i bet you it's we've made a couple not. of steps uh but they won't stop the mining companies from testing the water no well right. especially a country uh, like japan with limited resources they're all over that right and the ocean floor is rich with metals and minerals and these deep sea thermal vents are especially attractive because gold zinc cobalt and lithium can concentrate in areas around the vents. Uh, besides the vents, about 500,000 square miles of seafloor have been contracted for mining exploration, and they're looking for polymetallic nodules. 
these things look like rocks, but they're comprised of copper, nickel, and manganese. Uh, it all comes from an article I found at smithsonianmag.com titled, yep. Deep Sea Snail Builds Its Own Ironclad Suit of Armor, But Even That Can't Protect It From Ocean Mining. Yeah. Uh, and again, we've already talked about, you know, this article is four years old at this point. So I, I don't uh, have any problem with them going around in the dark and picking up those nodules. If, right. If they're not, if they're not crunching up the actual vent structures right and those nodules i think that's why they've contracted you know that uh 500,000 square miles of ocean floor and it's simply that it's hard to you know send something down there to collect them on a large scale you know like how are you going to collect all these things and bring them back up have you seen the price of copper lately it's not worth it right exactly and i think it remains to be seen but i'm willing to bet that a tiny ironclad snail won't stop our quest to pillage and plunder the ocean in the name of profit uh we'll never know what advancements could come from studying some of these strange and unique animals if we don't do our best to place life on this planet over man's need to destroy it the, the size thing wow. reminded me, I actually Bam. wrote down a thing about the largest undersea volcano, and it it encompasses 214,000 square miles. That's a big, Damn. That's a big-ass blow. It's, a, it's <laughs> one of the biggest calderas. <laughs> hey <Hey-o. laughs> It's 6,500 feet down, and its, its pinnacle is 14,000 feet high. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's, that's something. That's, that is but, that's but, huge. But the scale, I was just kind of making the point that the scale of the mining may sound big, but it's right. a pinhead in, right. in the ocean. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and, and George and I talked about that separately as well, that, you know, I've heard estimates that say that there's potential that we've only discovered 5% of the actual life that exists in the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like there could be a potentially 95 percent of things we don't know about. Oh, because yeah, because we just absolutely don't have the tools to explore and, you know, figure a, out all this yeah, stuff. It's the least explored area on the planet. Right. Mm-hmm. The, like the clam fields that I described in the Marianas Trench, there could be things like that. Right. Everywhere. Not yeah. necessarily clams. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to find an alien base. Of UFOs down there yeah. in Atlantis. Yeah. Like clam eating octo whale. Yeah. It's like, you guys are going to F around and find out as soon as we meet Aquaman. Yeah. yeah he yeah, seems you know like it. a pussy, but he's tough. Or like, Namor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's been hybridizing whales for a long time. Uh, we don't want to know about that. <laughs> yeah, and pink vent clams. <laughs> Put the two together. Yeah, pink vent fish. My bad. All right, guys. Yeah. I think it's time for a beer review. Beer review. Yay. Uh, I'm going to slap a freaking fat 8.75 on it. I think it's pretty good. It's it's not Bodie. It's no, it goes tropical. Down, it goes uh, down quicker than a Bodie. It does. It's I mean, it's 6.9. That, yeah, that should scare the crap out of you. I know, you. but it's still, <laughs> to me, it goes down a lot quicker. I think it's 7.5. 7.5? Damn, uh, George. I'm going to give it a solid... Eight point nine two six. Good lord! Once again, That's I don't, a max I don't like it warmer. Like, he doesn't like it warmer. I like it hot. Some like it hot. Dun, 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 dun. So what about the choice? What about these chips? <laughs> you don't want to talk about these nah. bangers? I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give it a four and a half. Yeah, I go. Uh, I can only eat I like might be minus, one at a time. Minus four. <laughs> George went negative. 
<laughs> Whoa, I don't think we've ever done a negative. These chips do suck. Uh, correct. Yeah. And I think I'm it's not. just they're they're too reliant on the citric acid. Yeah. You know, it, it does. It 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 just slams you right in the face almost like a uh, like a sour worm or a sour patch kid. I'm gonna give them a solid five. Yeah, right and then that's middle. why I mean I just had to go yeah. a half point below it because I think this these is might, not one of my favorites. I think these might be good on a sandwich. Uh, yeah, if you, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, just kick just it up a, a little notch. A bologna that, and cheese sandwich, just give it a little. That extra could be up. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm maybe trying that mm-hmm. later today. Tuna sandwich. Ooh, ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah, tuna. Ooh. Tuna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, I think we have exhausted our time in the yeah, depths we have. today. All right, Bob. <laughs> All right. Let's toast it out. Yeah. To George's right. urinary to George's health. <laughs> right. To George's <laughs> hydrothermal <laughs> vent. <laughs> yeah. May it blow another day. Yeah. Like, hey, when you got to go, you got to go. Yeah, you're here. All I'm right. out. I'm out. Peace out, folks. <laughs>